And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, praise writer for the Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, and this is the Poop Salad Power Hour. What's up, Eric? (laughs) What's up, Dave? It's a good start. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Well, (laughs) we said how much this uh, season has gone, and it continued with the roller coaster. You go from the being swept for the second time by the Jays to going up to the Brewers, up to Milwaukee, and coming within one run of uh, an even more miraculous comeback than they had in that game against the Phillies, down 8-0, and you come back, get with it, and get a seven runs in a span of, I mean, I've never seen the team score runs that quick to erase a deficit. It was li- it was five pitches. It five felt like pitches. it, was it really? Yes. I mean, it happened like. Yes. So you came within one run of sweeping the uh, Brewers, settled for winning two out of three, which when you think about it, doing it without Ronald Acuna is pretty impressive considering if, if somebody would have told you that two weeks ago, you would have said that's that's impossible for the Braves to go up and win, even win a series, probably even win a game without Acuna when, when he was carrying the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's Freddie starting to hit. So, I mean, yeah. that, that kind of balances it out because they've basically done it with half of Freddie this year, you know, I mean, he hasn't been himself. So even the comeback, the comeback attempt, he hits a grand slam in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is he went 10 years without hitting a grand slam. And then he hit the two last and one weekend last year. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got another. That's what baseball. <laughs> That's poop salad. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Acuna, just for those wondering, he was out of the lineup all three star- all three games against the Brewers, but he's supposed to be back in it tonight. You know, he missed three starts after spraining that left ankle, which, you know, after he missed the first two, I wasn't surprised when, when uh, Snit held him out Sunday with that afternoon game and then flying back to Atlanta afterwards and all that. You know how that goes. Um, so basically he had four days to rest and before tonight's game. And I think he'll be back in there. But the fact that he went up there and hit and didn't really show any, didn't have a limp or anything, tells me he'll be probably 100% when he gets in there tonight. Yeah, he's probably going to be, you know, if you've ever rolled your ankle, uh, it feels pretty bad. And I'm guessing that was the first time he's really, really done it like that. But it feels like a major injury. And then the next day it's pretty swollen up and it, it looks bad. And then it slowly gets better. He'll probably be, you know, missing a step. But it's not going to restrict him from taking full swings and, and playing. They'll tape it up real nice. Um, but I think it was good to, I think it was good to just be a little cautious with him on that. Well, they were fortunate that Adrianzo was back from the uh, IL because yeah. getting getting by without him 
when you didn't have Adrian's and then you got to really shift everybody around, you know, you have, you got to have Riley out in right field. And speaking of man, Riley, I mean, people that were thinking, waiting for him to really fall off, you know, once he started heating up a few yeah. weeks ago, it ain't happening, no. man. He, and th- the amazing thing is that he's doing it without hitting a lot of big home runs or anything. He's just hitting and, and drawing walks. I mean, this guy to me has really turned a corner. He's showing signs of really developing as a hitter. His mm-hmm. his his uh, recognition of the strike zone right now is pretty damn impressive. Oh, that at bat he had against Hater too. Yes, you know, I mean that's that's as tough as it gets. And it, I was listening to Frank Core talk about it on on the um, game broadcast, and it was like Hater kept beating him with fastballs, but he was recognizing pitches, you know, quarter inch off the plate. You yeah. know, worked the count, worked a great at bat, and finally got a slider in the zone and hit it to left. But I mean, that's kind of the thing with me when I watch when I watch Riley is when he's off, it, the zone's not there. The zone control, like he's chasing sliders yeah. in the dirt. He just looks he looks Looking really bad. bad. And then when he locks in, it's a totally different hitter. You know, I mean, what he's been doing the last few weeks, every at bat, you know, he's working he's working good counts and he's getting pitches to hit and he's hitting them. But I haven't seen him. I mean, this this how locked in he is right now reminds me of when he got called up. And we thought that's just who he was going to be. Yeah. And ben, when he got called up, he wasn't getting those sliders away where he was flailing at him either. Mm-hmm. But when they figured that out, they started throwing them to him. They were, he was getting fastballs then. Now people know what his weakness is, but he's not chasing those pitches mm-hmm. and getting behind him counts no. where he's just hopeless. He's uh, He just looks like a different guy up there right now. Totally. Yeah. He looked like he was guessing a lot early in the year. Yeah. I you thought know, like he was going to get rung up on that pitch because I couldn't see – you know, when they show they showed the uh the box or whatever, I couldn't see that it was off the plate the way the camera angle was. It was just yeah. it was right where he was set up. But he yeah. was he spat on it. It was like a quarter inch off the plate, maybe. That's what I'm saying. You see and a dude totally start confident. taking those. Yeah. He was you totally start, confident. Start seeing guys lay off of those really, really tough pitches. You know, that's why he got the slider he eventually hit, because they had to try something else. But he when he when he's off and it looks like he's guessing and he's expanding the zone and chasing, you know, I mean it looks it looks really bad. You know, you, you kind of wonder, you know, which guy he is. Yeah. Because then when he locks in, he doesn't chase anything out of the zone. Um, I don't know if it's a comfort thing or something going on with a swing or, or an approach thing. But when he locks in, man, it's like. Yeah. It's, it's like Chipper Jones up there with the, looking at balls quarter inch off the plate, you know? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I always talk about is if he can find a way to just shorten those stints where he's chasing and, and looks mm-hmm. like he's guessing and elongate this thing where he's he's locked in you know i mean it's hard to it's hard to gauge where a player's really at or where he's going to be but if he can have this plate discipline and, and that bats he's having yeah you know i mean he's a totally different player yeah i mean now it's like before you 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 stuck through all the slumps to get that you know 450 foot home run uh every week but right now he's only got three homers it doesn't matter he's hitting 291 yeah with a 405 obp fourth highest yeah. OBP in the NL. And yeah. it's like kind of going against the grain entirely about what uh, mm-hmm. right now is the trend in the majors. He's kind of bucking it completely. Yeah. Um, fourth highest OBP among NF qualifiers. He's got 20 walks. He had three walks yesterday. Got respaced five, all five times yesterday, two hits and three walks. And he was every, he was all over the place and he's playing hell, hellacious defense. Yeah. That backhand he's got, 
man, he 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 fielded one a couple of days ago. The scorcher backhand. It was like, how did he even do that? And then he's got a cannon for an arm. He is people a that were arm. like people that thought, you know, you you live with mediocre or bad defense because of his bat. No, he's a he's a well above average defensive third baseman. I've never worried about his defense. Yeah. Chipper didn't either. When people when he was saying that, people were, you know, poo-pooing it and saying, you know, if he's not hit, you can't put him at third. But Chipper was saying this guy could be a, a, a gold glove caliber third baseman eventually. Yeah, he's solid. It's just those uh, spurts where he looks lost at the plate, you know, and you sometimes it looks right. like he's never getting out of them. That first month of the season, yeah, like you know, you wonder which guy. It's easy to pile on a guy and think, oh, this is who he really is, or he sucks. They're normally somewhere in the middle of when they're hot and when they're struggling. Yeah, but you watch that and you wonder how he's going to get out of it, and then you kind of put a label on him, and then you look up now and how did he get from where he was, where yeah. his numbers were, how everything was going to to having some of the best offensive stats in the league. This is about his – I mean, I know he had that crazy 20-game stretch when he first got called up, but, you know, when he was getting fastballs and crushing them. But I, this might be the best I've seen him right now. Just, oh, it's an overall hitter. Well, it reminds me a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of when he first came up. Um, speaking of Freddie Freeman, he's got 11 homers now. For a guy that was having a terrible year for a month, supposedly – He's got 11 homers now. It's past eight games. That's one off the uh, Acuna's National League League, by the way. They're 1-2 alone. There's not even sharing with anybody. 1-2 in the league, 12 and 11 homers. Um, and Acuna's tied for the Major League lead. In his past eight games, Freddie, I think he's out of the slump now. Past eight games, he's hit 323, 10 for 31, four homers, nine ribbies, 432 OBP, 710 slug, and that's 1142 OPS in his last eight games. Yeah, that's huge I mean, for that's huge for the Braves. Obviously, I mean, you're crazy if you think he's not going to hit. Yeah, that's, you know when he's struggling. And Azuna and Azuna's hitting. Yeah, from both sides, they both hit some lefties in Milwaukee, and that was really encouraging because both of them were lost against lefties for the first five five weeks. You know how discouraging it is to come in, to be a lefty. And, and you got to face Freddie Freeman, and you try to get ahead with a first pitch breaking ball, and it's just out of the park to dead yeah. center. Suter, yeah, yesterday, yeah, slam off a lefty on the first pitch that hang hanger curve. Yeah, I mean it, that's what's that's one thing that's changed a lot in the game too. That used to be a free strike. My first two mm -hmm. three years in the game, I threw every lefty a first pitch, get me over breaking ball, and it would, you were oh one on every single one of them. They right. either took it or if you you know if you miss low, sometimes they think it was a fastball and swing at it. The first guy to ever just go up there, sit first pitch breaking ball, yeah, and take me deep was Prince Fielder. And I'm sitting there like, what happened? You know, I mean, everyone else in the league just takes that pitch. But I've seen Freddie do it a few times. You know, I mean, guys are just ready to hit whatever you throw up there. Yeah. And I don't I don't remember it being like that. Yeah, there's no free strike, man. Mm -mm. I mean, there were guys like, remember Martin Prado? Yeah. Him with the first pitch? Yeah. Never swung at it. Right. I don't know if there's anybody like that right now. There probably still is one that I'm not aware of that I'm not thinking of, but there's so many guys though that you know are swinging early. Like when I watch Acuna come up and certain at bats, I'm like, "You got to be a psychopath if you throw him a first pitch fastball right here." <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and then you see him throw a first pitch breaking ball. He either takes a bad swing or takes it. But Freddie, that's that's the thing about him. You know, 
it's a tough at bat as a left-handed pitcher because you you don't get that free strike. You know, if you make a mistake with that first breaking ball, it could be a homer. So now you got to make yeah. a good pitch with the breaking ball and you throw it in the dirt. Now you're down 1-0. Yeah. So you got to come see him at some point. And it's it shocks me every time I see a lefty do that, just sit first pitch breaking ball or just be ready to hit so much that that they can handle it. But that that's one thing Freddie's really good at. It's funny because I just looked this up now that you mentioned that. Remember Vlad Guerrero? And mm-hmm. he was like an anomaly at the time because he, he would swing at anything. He was the best bad ball hitter there ever, probably in the Hall of Fame, at least in the modern era. Um, but he swung at the first pitch 48% of the time. Yeah. And that was like crazy then. I yeah. think there's probably quite a few guys doing pretty close to that right now. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, it's because it's not anywhere near the zone because people are aware that they'll swing the first pitch like Acuna. Yeah. Uh, but then but then Prado, uh, Wade Boggs, by the way, his career, 7.7% of the time. So yeah. first pitch. <laughs> yeah. Martin Prado, I just remember – I remember him like four out of five years he led the majors in least – I mean, he just went up there, bat on his shoulder, basically. It's like, okay, give me a strike because I'm not swinging. Yeah, that's just the way he did it. He's gonna watch, gonna watch, the, see what the pitchers got, and but yeah, it's just changed. You're right. I think the mindsets changed too because the bullpens are so nasty. Yeah, and the bullpens are so nasty now. Yeah, it, the whole game plan used to be you want to get to the pen. You you, you want to get that start out of the game, work counts, and when I talk to players now, they're like, I don't want to see the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't want to get the starter out of the game. You want to do your damage against him. The bullpen comes in, everybody's throwing ninety nine, and you know if you watch the game, sometimes it's all over the place. But that's still yeah. a lot less comfortable at bat than a pitcher throwing ninety three with control and hitting spots. Yeah, you used to see a variety of arms come out of the bullpen, you know, and then your closer, your setup guy might be the hard throwers, but uh, now it's like sixth inning, ninety nine. You know? Yeah, it used to be sixth. If you could get to their pen in the fifth or sixth inning, yeah, you're getting that reliever that you're getting Josh Tomlin then. Every time, <laughs> almost every time, it was 89. The guy could maybe yeah. locate. He might have a decent slider, but it was a that was the lineup's chance to do damage was off those middle relievers. There aren't really middle relievers anymore. There's guys with bad numbers, but they all have closer stuff. Yeah. Braves are in third place in the NL East, two games behind the Mets. I thought the Mets were starting to pull away a little bit, but here they are, two games. Uh, and the Mets come in for this three-game series. Max Freed against I, – uh, I always wonder if I'm saying his name right. It's, to, it's just Taiwan, Taiwan Walker, right? I think so. I'm Taiwan Walker, yeah. Yeah, That's Taiwan Walker. They got him tonight. Walker's 3-1 and one with a 2.20 ERA, the Friday night matchup. Freed's looked great in his last two starts since coming off the IL. So I think that's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, when I did this, when I looked at him, it's Charlie Morton is going game two against TBA. Have they announced that yet? Who the who the Mets pitching? Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Let me look on their site while we're, uh, while we're sitting here. And uh, then you have game three is Drew Smiley, who's also pitched really well his last two starts after being a disaster before that. Going up against David Peterson, who's one and three with a four eight six. So good matchups for the Braves, depending on see on Tuesday who they've got. Uh, they got a chance here. You need to win two out of three. You don't want to lose two out of three. You need to win two out of three or sweep the Mets. If you sweep, if you sweep them, you you overtake them. So um, I will see probable pitchers. Let's see if it's up on the Mets site. Got it up. 
for for the Saturday game. We've got Charlie Morton against. Oh, and by the way, as I look at my slow uh, internet doing this, this is the last day we we uh, tape on this slow internet, dude. I made the move. Did you? <laughs> Good. I made the move. I'm going. I'm dropping AT and T, and going all uh, Xfinity Comcast because they, you know, they were doing my cable TV before, but I had AT and T for the thing. I went in and uh, I went in only with the intention of trading in all my. I had all these what they call legacy boxes. It was like what <laughs> people have had the boxes for 15 years and they've changed them, but all the new boxes have all the voice technology and all that, you know, the, the like Siri, but it's for the, for the, for your remote, just like HBF or yeah, ESPN, yeah. you know? So I swapped all my, I had four little boxes and my big box. So I had five TVs. I took all my boxes and swapped them. You have five but, TVs. Yeah. And I've spent the last two days changing over all the boxes to the, you know, you got to go through the remote where you, where you sync it up with your TV. So you can do, why do you have that. five TVs? Got one in every room, man. I got to be able to watch wherever <laughs> I am. I got one. I got my big one in my di- in my uh, living room. I got uh, one in my kitchen. Have it on when I'm ever in there. I just leave it on. I got one in my bedroom. I got one in the basement or a workout, my pool table. And I got one in my office down in the basement. Damn. You got TVs. two. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and your kid takes up one of them right yeah yeah it's just cartoons all day it's awesome so i went in just with the intention of swapping all those boxes and the guy you know and i told the guy i said i'm thinking about doing this I shouldn't say that but i said i'm thinking about dropping but i'm gonna i'm gonna call at and and give him a chance to better do you know do a better deal but the guy said oh, i can do he asked me how much i was paying at and i told him he said Next thing you know, he's telling me I got the whole bundle and I'm saving like 50 bucks a month. And I doubled my speed, my internet speed. Yeah, but Comcast will get you. Your bill's going to be triple in like three weeks. No, nah, it's a two-year <laughs> deal. So it stays okay. the same for two. And I said, how much will it go up in two years? He goes, probably 30 or 40, but just call again. We'll stay up, you know. Comcast, you just threatened to leave. And then all of a sudden they can knock 60% off your deal. <laughs> They're all like You got to call but... them every couple of years and tell them you're leaving. Um. So I'm going with their super duper. It's not the very highest end like office stuff, but it's the next one. So good. The speed is supposed to be twice. So I, I just can't wait to not have to worry about that damn spinning wheel and shit when I'm streaming TV or whatever. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dude, I was looking at the Giants, who are still in first place in the West. I mean, 
that's as, sh- as surprising as anything. Everybody thought the Giants were going to suck again. In the West, they thought there would be eons behind the Dodgers and the Padres, right? Well, we're fourth of the way into the season now, and they're still in first place. They're 24 and 16, right? So former Braves Alex Wood and Kevin Gossman are a combined 8-0 in 14 starts for the Giants. They're the best two starters right now. Wood has a 175 ERA, 0944 whip, 35 strikeouts in 36 innings. Kevin Gossman, he has a 1.84 ERA at 0.839 whip and 59 strikeouts in 53 and two-thirds innings with like 12 walks. Well, I think it's it's good to pitch in the in the NL West again. You know, they, I I was I've just been watching and I see so many balls that feel like they would have been gone the last few years, kind of die at the warning track. Ozuna hit a couple. Yeah, I think I think the change in the balls is yeah, just giving guys like that a shot. You know, especially a guy like fly ball guys that are that are used to giving up you know a few more homers. Um, mm-hmm. So now you go into NL West, you got. San Francisco's a big-time pitcher's park. L.A.'s a pitcher's park. San Diego's a pitcher's park. Arizona's tough. But, again, if the ball's not flying as much there, and then Colorado's a nightmare. So you got one one park in your division versus the NL East. Ball flies at Truist. Ball flies in New York. Ball flies in Philly. Nationals, pretty fair. And Marlins is still – it's not nearly as big as it used to be. Right, they, they made it fences. smaller. It was yeah. huge when they built it. But huge. It was yeah. It was the pitcher's park when they built it. Even just what that does to your confidence, you know, not giving up as many home runs, not giving up that fly ball that you yeah. feel like you made a good pitch. You know, I mean that puts so much more pressure on it on you as a pitcher when guy when anybody can go. Marcus Stroman was going up Otaka with those old bars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean he went he went opposite field, so I mean I, I think it's just more fair. So you're probably gonna see some more pitchers, you know, putting up better numbers that you might not be used to. Gossman's a fly ball pitcher too, right? right? Yeah. So that's a fastball yeah, splitter for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why it's so much more impressive to the hitters who are hitting them out, you know, but they're the guys that weren't hitting fence scrapers, you know, right. Acuna's Freddie. Freeman. When he goes opposite field, when Acuna goes opposite field, it's 30 yeah. rows deep. It's not so, like he was scraping the wall. Cause those two guys right now are on pace for 45, 48 home runs. Mm-hmm. 50 home runs. I mean, you know, and there's quite a few guys in the big leagues right now on pace for between 45 and 50 home runs. Yeah. If you were watching the last few years, you'd have a guy like Ketel Marte. All of a sudden he's a 30 homer guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's the difference there is when, when that dude in the eight hole can't take you deep or, or something yeah. like that. I mean, it, it'll really change the numbers for a lot of pitchers. Albert Pujols. I was wondering where he would go if somebody would take a shot. And once the White Sox said, you know, when when uh, Larusa said we really don't have a spot for him, you know, I thought, well, there's no, he might not have a place to go if if the White Sox and Larusa aren't going to take him. But never did I think Dodgers. And here he is. He doesn't even have to move. I think that's why he, you know, if you're if you're dead set on playing every day, and and that's your. The one thing that you'd be willing to give it up for is just to stay in the same house and have a different drive to the field. Or, man, if he's like that in Orange County, I'd be taking a helicopter. If I had his money, I'd take a helicopter to the games. (laughs) Seriously, I wouldn't drive. I mean, unless you go to the park at, you know, one in the afternoon. Most guys do. Most guys go early. Can't right now with COVID. It's early. Now they're changing it, though, so you probably can. But, man, that 405 or the 5. 
depending on where you are, where you live. I'd be, if I had, if I had a $30 million salary, I'd be taking a helicopter. No doubt. That's Drop what they say. Right Kobe did lot. that, right? Didn't Kobe, Kobe did. take the helicopter back to drive his kids to practice and stuff or pick them up from school and then helicopter back for the game. He just kind of took it wherever he had to go anywhere on the other side of town or to the Staples center. He took it all the time, but, uh, yeah, I'd have it drop me off in that big ass parking lot at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Walk over there. Yep. Um, so yeah, I thought it, I heard it was that. And then uh uh I was hearing JP Morse. He said uh he also has a real a long-term relationship, really close, like a family type close with Placido Polanco, mm. who is like a special assistant now for the Dodgers. So that was also a big attraction. Polanco talked him up or whatever. He's going to end up playing with them probably about the same thing that he would have with the Angels. Yeah. But it's different, you know, when you got the Angels telling telling you, you're not going to be in the lineup much anymore, and you got the Dodgers going, we can use you a couple times a week. It's same thing, but it's like a fresh start. You know, it's just not? a fresh start. Yeah. 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 And, and they're start. winning. You know, I mean, it's a chance to – Yeah. Chance Back to, to chase the National a ring. League. There's going to yeah. be way more pinch hit at bats in the National League than yeah. – than American yep. League. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had the choice, yeah. I mean, that's that's called that's landing on your feet right there. Yeah. If he if he if he what a nightmare for the Angels. If he does by chance or he's used just work just right, good matchups and all that, and has a has a great rest of the way, or just really good, helps them win. And they're the Angels are paying yeah. 29 million, 29 and a half million of his salary. Let's go away for him to play for the for the Dodgers of all yeah. people, yeah. for Big Brother up the road. Yeah, that'd be like the Mets paying him to go play for the Yankees. Yeah, you know, or the White Sox to pay play. Well, not right now, not the White Sox to play for the Cubs, but it would in the old days. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's good to see him land on his feet. Get 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 to rack up a few more homers. God, I was looking at how much money that dude's made. It's I mean, it's not a rod yet, but it's like 350 some million dollars in his career well he was Albert. i think people forget how good he was you know i mean he right. was you weren't getting him out with with st louis the best. Yeah. yeah the bulk of that salary though has come with the angels yeah. he's been <laughs> not very good you know <laughs> well that, he's like the, he's the main reason a lot of teams are afraid of those deals oh, yeah. right now you know yeah. yep his and a couple his and a, and a few uh pitching contracts Huge pitching contracts. Very few of those have worked out. Scherzer's did. Yeah. Um, Kershaw's did or is, but the, the the second one was kind of a gold wash that gave him. I thought Kershaw's not going to live up to that one. Well, um, think if Freddie was hitting the market in 2008, at his age, everything he's doing. Yeah. Because even even us talking, we're like, you know, maybe five or six years for him. I mean, yeah. Ten years ago, Freddie's get, probably getting a 10-year deal. You know, it's yep. the, it's really changed how they're doing those contracts, and that every team's afraid of guys getting old. The one guy that you think would get that would be Acuna, but he's not, he's not going to be in a position to get it. He already signed. Uh, so going back to yesterday, when it was over, after Freddie had hit his grand slam in that seven-run seventh inning that nearly brought the Braves all the way back from an 8-0 deficit, Oscar Noah had his first bad start in a while. Gave up five runs early. Braves were down 8-0. It's like, okay, mail it in, fly back home, start a homestand. Nope, they don't do that. Got to give them credit. They do not do that. 
whether it's getaway day, whether it's the last game of a homestand, the Braves do not mail it in, and they are the same as last year in that regard. And because there's a lot of teams that they would have just let's play That's these last four innings, get the hell out yeah. of here, go home. They Milwaukee uh, definitely did them a few favors to to help oh, make yeah. it happen, but but they capitalized on the things they needed to. What a nightmarish inning those middle infielders had, or a couple of innings. Jesus, they would like, and Wong is like the Gold Glove winner at second base, has been. Yeah, he missed the ball thrown right. I mean, it was yeah. a little high, but he should have caught well, it and dropped yeah. the other one. And then the shortstop had three mistakes. Yeah. Um, but and then so they get they get down they get it to within eight seven, and you think with Devin Williams, rookie of the year last year, he's not pitching nearly as well as he did last year, but he's still solid. And then you got Hater. So when they go into the ninth, down two runs against Hater, but they uh, they put together uh, they put together a scoring opportunity against Hater. They could have they made them it. both work. Yeah. Yeah, they got a runoff hater and they had two on. So, you know, you won't find many teams that have back to back guys with the numbers that Freeman and Ozuna have against Josh Hader. They both have great numbers against yeah. him. Yeah. But Ozuna, he struck out Ozuna. So when he did that, I was like, okay, that was a chance there. But uh, uh, Riley had great at bats and it was innings. Great. That's what great was impressive bats. about Riley's at bat, though, because you saw Zuna get beat by the fastball. Sped yeah. him up, sped him up, sped him up, and he got into a place where he didn't want to get beat by the fastball again. And that was the most obvious thing ever. You know, when he swung at that slider, yeah, it, it just baffled him. He didn't. He thought, yeah. you know, you just Terrible blew these swing. fastballs by me. There's no chance he's going to throw me anything else right now. And he dropped a slider in. You know, that's what was so impressive about Riley's at bat was he was getting beat by the fastball over and over. And when they dropped the slider and he was still in a position yeah. to hit it. Yeah, I thought Ozuna was just like caught. It was like, oh, he's trying to, he just tried to get the bat on it and foul it off. But yeah, it ended up being a feeble swing, man. But you're yeah. right. And Riley didn't get fooled him. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when it was over and the Braves had fallen to run short, they, it ended up being the tack on runs ended up being the, cost the uh, yeah, it ended up costing them. And Snit faced, questions from us about why Josh Tomlin was in there to start the seventh inning in a one run game after they had got to eight to seven, they bring in Josh Tomlin and he's struggled lately giving up runs in three straight with like two runs in three, three of the last four and two runs three times. And so they bring him in, you know, and the fan base is like, Oh my God, why is Tomlin in there? And then, Oh, in the sixth inning, he had left Biddle in another yep. guy who has struggled, but he left Biddle in. Biddle Down. threw 13 straight balls at one point, walked three guys on four pitches, then nearly hit uh, uh, Vogelback. Vogelback nearly hit him. He had a, he had a uh, pass ball that could have been a wild pitch, and then he had a wild pitch. I mean, it was just a, he was falling apart, and, and Snit left him in there to finish the inning. So they got a couple runs there, and then Tomlin gets up a couple runs. And afterwards, you know, people are like, why in the world were those two guys pitching? That ended up being the difference. Well, being a former reliever, you, you're you watching this. You know why you're watching it. There's a reason those guys are in there. It's because there's guys down. And yeah. fans, a lot of fans at least, don't understand when guys are down, they're down. You know, and unless there's absolute emergency, you're not going to use them. You've already decided that. And you're looking at big picture and you're not sacrificing a game, so to speak. I mean, people think you're waving a white flag. There's a difference between that and 
being determined to keep, especially when you got a team that's not or a bullpen that's not as deep as the Braves were, the Braves are this year. They're not like last year. No, you can't afford to lose Chris Martin again. Like you just lost him for a month. You can't afford to lose a mentor or a Matzik, you know, certainly and not Will Smith. You can't afford him to be gassed in the playoffs either. Right. And mentors right. looked gassed a couple of times recently. He's looked so, tired. Explain, but even before I give you what Snit said, you're watching that at home and you're thinking, "There's guys down, right?" You know, you know that immediately. Something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not when I'm watching that. I don't criticize the decision because you just know somebody's got to be down. You know, I mean, it's like does Snit not know that Minter would be an, a better option here? <laughs> right. Everybody in the world knows that that that's a that's a better option here. You know, it, or Martin's a better option here in 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 the seventh inning, but. They're obviously not available if he doesn't bring them in. You know, the guy's not an idiot. And that's what makes it so hard. I mean, if you look back at that's what made him so good last year was he really couldn't. Every single guy, like yeah. one through those top seven, you could throw you could throw bottom seven down yeah. one on the road and and feel really good about it. And he didn't, you know, he doesn't want to say that when, yeah. when he gets asked about it, but he kind of did. He said, well, yeah, he that's, what we're, that's what we're working with today. You know, the guys are on the roster. They have a job to do and they they need them to step up. You know, it's it's not it's not as much Snitker made a bad decision as the guys couldn't step up the way that he needs them to to give his other relievers rest. If you look at like look at 2011 when we had basically three guys that we were going to we we could be down two or up five. And me, yeah. Johnny and Craig were pitching. And look how it backfired in 2000 in the in September of 11. You know, we yeah. started giving away games and blew that lead. Um, so he has to, that's the hardest part of being a manager. You have to manage guys health, you know, I mean, you have to decide what's more important is today's game or yeah. the playoff run or big games in September. Like you look at Minner's on pace for like 80 games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one thing to take a side armor you found in Australia and just beat the shit out of them and, and mm-hmm. throw him 85, 90 games a year. But look how Moreland's career turned out yeah. just full of injuries. And I think teams, you know, I've, I think teams have done a good job of recognizing that and and not wanting to ruin guys' careers to win a game in May. Mitchell was 20 in the first 39. So he's on pace for about yeah. 84 yeah. appearances. Matzik is on pace for about 80. These are guys with injuries histories too. You yeah. Know? Show me anybody that does that and, and has a good career, you know, down the road or even strong Septembers. At some point, it's going to catch up with you. It is. And – I agree. That is the toughest part of being manager because you have, you know, you're going to get second guess. And in social media day, it's one thing, do it before social media because people can't sit there for three hours talking to each other about what an idiot you are on a yeah. public forum on social media. When Bobby Cox was doing that, you know, they question them at home or in a bar, but it's different. They're not doing it on social media. They're not building this up to just, uh, when this game's over, you better ask him about, you know, and all that. And, and as a manager, you got to kind of not swallow your pride, but you got to be, you can't just keep going to the same guys because if you're down a run or up a run, you're going to go with your three guys and win this damn game. Yeah. It, it, they end up getting hurt. And in this day and age, that's better understood what it can do to guys long term. And, and, you know, and, and I know bullpens are fungible, but you can't just treat those guys like it doesn't matter what happens to them next year. You know, if they, we're just going to run them into the ground this year. Um, so yeah. you're not, you're not seeing guys with 85 appearances anymore, unless you're just that rare guy that's got a rubber arm that can do it for a few years. But there's so few of those. Show guys. me somebody, show yeah. me somebody that's kept up, a, even say 70 games, 
Show me somebody that's pitched in 70 games for three years in a row, four years in a row. Show me, show me what their career turns into. You know, I mean, everybody you see work at that pace, you just hit a wall at some point. And you just said it earlier. Um, it's different nowadays, too, because everybody's throwing 98, 99. Everybody's throwing max effort out of the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. You can't run a guy off there 80 times throwing like they are. You know, no, it's too much stress on the body. Back to back to back days, three days in a row. Or as Snit was saying yesterday, you can't, you start doing those four out of fives, it's not sustainable. Right. It's not sustainable in today's game. Guys aren't trained like that. Guys aren't, you know, their bodies won't hold up throwing, at, throwing the way you're asking them to throw or the way they're expected to throw nowadays. So yeah, those decisions happen sometimes too. And it's like, if I throw these two guys today, you know, that's how Snit wound up in the position he was in where he had three guys down today because he made those hard decisions and had to push them and try to win yesterday's game. And the day before that, you yeah. know, I mean, that's managing isn't just today. It's, it's, we gotta, we gotta have guys available tomorrow. You look at your starting pitcher, who's going, if you like, if you have your worst starting pitcher tomorrow, maybe you do push the guys and you just figure, well, we're probably going to lose tomorrow, you know, yeah. but I mean, they probably were in a situation where they used some guys they wouldn't have if a Noah wasn't coming and, and their best starting pitcher at the time. You figured you can get through a Noah's right. game a lot easier than you can get through Kyle Wright's game if, if right. Kyle was going to start. You know, you, you're going to save guys and manipulate it that way. So there's there's so much more behind those decisions than just who the best guy is for right now. And it, I mean, you got to be crazy to think Snit doesn't know that Tomlin's not the ideal option in that situation right. to be throwing in a one run game, but. I mean, he said it and he didn't, but it's basically that's who we had today and we need those guys to get it done. And that's that's why bullpen depth, when when teams are deep in their pen, you don't have to answer these questions. But he's not in that situation right now because there's a lot of guys struggling. Yeah. I mean, people should be savvy enough to know you're not sitting at home with a better knowledge of his pitchers <laughs> yeah. than he has. And he's not. Yeah. It's got Walt Weiss sitting next to him. Yeah. He's got a pitching coach and a bullpen coach. Yeah. <laughs> they know their personnel. Yes. You're not smarter at home. I'm not smarter at home going, this guy would be better in this situation than that guy. People don't think like that, though. They don't think, why would Snitker have less invested in winning this game than me? You know? Yeah. Yeah, what an idiot. Job, what you a know? moron. What a moron. <laughs> you know, there's just so much more to, to those decisions. Um. So, yeah. The tenth of those balls, man, I was thinking yips when uh, when he threw those thirteen straight. Yeah. Balls. I was like, whoa, this is getting ugly, man. Um, but the tenth of those got past William Contreras and let in a run. And Contreras has had. It's a good thing he's raking because he can, he's got yeah. some power. He's got a high OBP. If he wasn't hitting at all. These these glaring mistakes, uh, you know, defensively, the fastballs, the interference, those little things would stand out. But he's hidden so much that you live with it. And it's not like you have other options either. Um, and he's a really talented kid. I mean, he's going to clean up the defense. It just takes experience. But it's just showing people underestimate how important this experience is for a catcher, man. There's a reason oh. why the most of the catchers spend a, a year or two at every level, you know, and they come up and they don't do it. You're not like Acuna. You know, you're not bringing up guys, catchers at age 20 and taking over because it's the hardest position on the field as far as all the stuff you have to concentrate on. You're not up there just playing the outfield and hitting. you got you yeah. got to manage pitchers. you got quarterback. Manage, and that's your most important part of your job. Yeah. yeah I, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was watching 
when Biddle really struggled, it's he couldn't throw his fastball for a strike, and it took him till Vogelbach to call a slider and yeah. just mix it up and try something different. You know, that's that's kind of that experience factor of of those those catchers like David Ross I was talking about, where they you might be calling the right pitch by the numbers, uh-huh. but when you're watching this guy and analyzing him and, and kind of seeing what he's doing, yeah, you got to call something else when a dude has thrown nine straight fastballs out of the zone, you know, yeah. something, something like that plays out, but, but that's experience too. And if you noticed he threw the slider and it was terrible, but then when he went back to the fastball, he threw his first strike. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, there's just little things like that, that you kind of pick up with experience as a catcher um, where you can take that situation where Biddle just completely lost it. You know, he just lost that feel and now he's guiding the ball and just break it up for him and call something different and do something different to get him back in the zone. Mathis or Darno or Tyler Flowers would have got him out of that, I think, faster. They would have gone out and yeah. talked to him a couple of times, whatever it took. But, but you're like you said, though, just call him. And they, he, he wouldn't have been likely to shake him off either, like a Mathis puts down a signal, you know, puts down yeah. a sign to get out of that. Yeah. So, yeah, and that if you don't give up watch. that three spot or if, if you can just turn that into a one run or even mm-hmm. two, you know, you're, you're back in the game. Right. Yeah, Contreras has three homers, a 364 OBP, and a 943 OPS in 11 games. So you live with it, you know, and you don't yeah. have other options right now either. So the thing that the other thing about that inning was the the one knee catching on one knee. Yes, yes. You know, yeah, I was going to get um, into that. I, you know, Snit talked about this last last week about it after Contreras. There was another incident where he had a pass ball, and it was a costly one. Or it could have been costly. And Snit said, you know, I'm an old school guy. I got to be honest. I don't like it, but everybody's doing it. And he goes, they don't ask me. You know, it's not his it's not his venue. Uh, you know, you got you got one of the best catching coaches in baseball, if not the best one. And that's just what everybody's doing. If you look around, like Real Muto's doing it. And like Snit said, he didn't do it when he came up. But now Real Muto's doing it. They value pitch framing so much, and they say they can – they can do it so much faster and so much easier pitch frame from one knee that they're willing to give up that not being able to slide over and cut. And, and I, I it doesn't make much sense to me either, but everybody's what I don't doing get, it. What I don't get about it is, okay, do that for 80% of the time. But when you got a, like the, I think right. it was the white Sox. white Sox walked off yesterday on a pass ball. Dude was doing one knee. Yeah. And it, what I don't understand is can you work on the other way for those big situations? Right. When, Maybe framing and stealing a strike isn't quite as important as not losing the game on a pass ball or, or tying the game or giving up a big run. You know, runner on third, can you catch normal and make sure you can get to the ball and block it? You just got you, – you wonder, is that going to be the new normal? I don't know. It could be a trendy thing that people realize, you know, when the, when the when the metrics, the analytics start coming in and going, okay, this is not offsetting this. But man, They don't, though, because it, the metrics just look at it in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the metrics will say, well, the, the 70 strikes he 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 stole in the last week or two make up for the game the ball. are worth the pass ball. But the pass ball cost you an actual loss on they the don't, spot. They don't look at when the pass ball happened. Nope, it's just, just one pass ball. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But they look at it just in a vacuum where it's like, I actually saw that end the game right there. So for yeah. me, <laughs> I can't. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not in the game if you don't frame all those strikes. Maybe the game blows up on you. But in that situation itself, you know, can you make sure the ball doesn't get past you? Well, like when and like like you said, when on a walk off or like when an inning's coming unraveled on a guy, and that pass ball is huge because it just 
puts gasoline on the on the rally, the other team's rally. I agree. I don't I don't I don't see why it can be that important because man, they just can't move, you know. Yeah. You can't move laterally like you can when you're squatting. Right. <laughs> Very right. obvious. Yeah. Or you can slide left or right and, and get your glove down and block. You can't do I that. I see people talk own. about it every day too. You know, I mean, if you, if you scroll through Twitter or you, or you listen to the announcers on the game, they, they'll point it out every single time it costs a team. Because they're older guys, they're old school, they're, they're former players, and they don't understand it either. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some balance there. I'm, if you are able to steal extra strikes, it makes it, it definitely makes a difference for the pitcher, you know, and, and where the game, how the game got to the point it's at. But maybe once you get to the point where a pass ball could cost you the game, you got, you know, plan B where you can actually catch and block for a few batters. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, so getting back to those questions for Snet. First, we asked, I asked, why was Tomlin in the game to start the seventh? Was that uh, uh, a case of you had him warming up and it happened so quick mm-hmm. that you couldn't get another guy warmed up? You know, it was like, we just wanted a reason. And he's no. He said, Snit said, that was the guy that we had left pretty much. We had a bunch of guys down today. It's a situation where we didn't do a good job in the bullpen. I mean, some of those guys, we had probably three guys down in the pen today. So that's kind of who we had to go to, had to go with. He didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. You know, he just said we didn't, but he said we didn't do a good job in the bullpen. You know, the guys said, said uh, and then I pointed out AJ Mentor in my story today, Tied for third most appearances in the majors. He had 20 in the first 39, as was said. Showed some fatigue. Pitched in three of his last five games for Sunday. He got a loss and two blown saves in that span. Gave up four runs over consecutive appearances against Toronto. That added two runs to his ERA, which was only 2.81 before that. Yeah. So now people look at his ERA and go, Minter sucks. I'm like, no, you see, he's just tied. He's showing fatigue, man. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, he's got to be one of those that wasn't uh, – he didn't name the guys that weren't available, but he's one of those that was unavailable. Uh, Mentor, Matzik, Smith, and Martin. Matzik pitched four times in seven days before getting and he was closing Saturday, huh? I think I think Matzik was closing. And right, he wasn't going to use him unless he had to with that. Unless, yeah. He had 18 appearances in 39 games. I think Snicker wanted to give him two days rest if he could for the homestand or use him as the closer. But top uh, – Chris Martin – He'd missed six weeks shoulder inflammation, pitched in two out of three games before Sunday. They were not going to have him pitch three out no, of four he was down. off the IL. Yeah. Coming off the DL or IL, you're not doing that. Right. So, and then 
uh, Will Smith had pitched in three straight games. There's no way he's pitching four straight games. They're yeah. not doing that. Since not doing that with, like ever, unless he absolutely had to. So that's four, and I think three of those guys were unavailable at least. Uh, so then I asked Snicker, or as a follow-up about Tomlin, um, who's he, he had given up multiple runs in three of his last five games. So was it, did he stay up because, you know, it happened so quick that you couldn't give up somebody else warmed up and he said, no. And, and then Mark asked him, you wouldn't normally have him in the seventh inning, a one run game. He goes, today we would, he, he was our seventh inning guy today. He was yeah. pitching the seventh inning. They had so our the way, the way you lay those things out though, is, is you kind of, you come up with who you want to use where. So you probably had Matzik closing cause he's been, of the guys left, probably your best, right? Mm-hmm. So then you got you probably had Newcomb and Jackson ready to match up in the eighth. And then you had Webb and uh Tomlin left to choose from. Mm-hmm. Webb's had some a few blow-ups lately. Right. You know, and so one run game. And Tomlin was probably pitching no matter what. Yeah, whether he was, you're down hard because he, he can just take the ball and yeah. I know he's struggled lately, but his track record's been he can keep games realistic. Um so that was how you had it set up, and you don't you don't want to throw if you if you if you try if you're looking at it and Nuke gets in trouble in the in the eighth, and you're trying to stay away from Matzik for that day if you can. Mm-hmm. So now you're throwing now you now you're throwing Luke in the seventh. Who you got for the eighth? You can't right. match up in the eighth, and right. and you want to put Nukem in a good situation or Jackson in a good situation because Jackson's been pretty damn good this year. Yeah, Nukes Nukes come back and not been the same guy he was before. Um, so you just, you're looking at it and it's kind of like, that's, these are my choices. You were going to go with Tomlin or Webb and that's what he picked. And Luke pitched a clean eight, by the way, it was the only clean yeah. inning of the day for it. It was only inning a brace that Braves pitched faced fewer than five guys in a, in an inning. Yeah. And two strikeouts in that eight. Yeah. He's pitched well, man. But if Luke got in trouble, you're not going to, when you're trying to stay away from Matzik. Yeah. You're not going to ask Matzik to go multiple on a day. You're trying to stay away from him. Right. And Tomlin, so if you're down, if you're down eight runs or whatever, he could have pitched the seventh inning. Let him finish the game or ninth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he's going, if he's going good again. Uh, Jesse Biddle got DFA'd. Tucker Davidson called up. Good young arm, Tucker. Interested to see what he can do. Uh, he's a good prospect. Jesse Biddle, eight point four four ERA in eight appearances, eight walks in ten and two thirds innings. Yesterday was just too much. It was the that was the final straw, and they realized it ain't happening. So DFA. he's got the stuff. He has the stuff. And I think he he just needs to he needs to get mad out there. You know, it's like he's I watch him. He's like he's pitching not to fail. Uh huh. You yeah. know, you, you can't do a lot that. Of places to get bouncing around. I'm, I'm sure yeah. mentally you start to mentally think it just beats you up. Then you get put in those situations and. Yeah, he looks like he doesn't want to mess up instead of attacking hitters and, and being aggressive. You know, he's he's one adjustment away though. I mean, I always say that, but you look at the stuff he has, there's no reason he can't pitch in this league. But yeah, they you gotta make that move after after yesterday. Since 2019, he went Atlanta to Seattle to Texas in 2019, those three. Cincinnati last year only made one appearance in the big leagues, and then Atlanta this year. So he's twenty-nine now. Yeah. Remember, he didn't debut. He was a former first rounder of the Phillies, and he didn't debut. 
did debut in the big leagues. He had a lot of injuries. And he was like a big feel-good story when he debuted with the Braves in twenty at age 26 in 2018. And remember, he was really good initially with the Braves that year. I mean, he was really good. Had just one after another big appearance and kept moving them to higher leverage situations. Um, God, I'm looking at his numbers that year. In 2018 with the Braves, he made 60 appearances at a 3-1-1 ERA with 67 strikeouts and 63 and two-thirds innings. But even that year, he had 31 walks. You know, it's one of those yeah. when they start, when he starts walking guys, they just rack up in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, so getting back to that follow-up question to Snit and about using Tomlin in the seventh, you know, Bo said, you know, you don't use, you, you wouldn't normally have him in a seventh inning one run game. And he goes, today we would, today he was going to be the guy. Snit said, today we were using him in the seventh. I mean, that was the guy we had today for the seventh inning. And he said, we had guys down. Everybody in the bullpen has got to share the load because we cannot keep using the core group of guys and have them healthy for the year. Guys are going to have to, We've got what eight, nine guys. We've they're all going to have to step up and do it. Josh Tomlin, or we're all going to have seven. Josh Tomlin has pitched the eighth inning for us before and been really good. Yeah. I don't feel bad when I put Josh when I put Josh Tomlin out there. He said, if you don't remember, he went four and a third or whatever in that game it was the May seventh game against the Phillies when he came in for Charlie when Charlie got knocked out in the first inning against a really good team and threw up a bunch of zeros and saved our ass. That was Snit yesterday. <laughs> He said, we've got guys down. We've got guys we don't want to use because when we when you get too many three appearances out of four and all that, it's not going to sustain in the next three or four months. We're going to have to use everybody. So that's him basically saying what you just said while ago is we do not have the guys we had last year. Like you said, last year, he could have had sat three or four guys one day and you hardly you knew even it because the next four guys were really yeah. good. Yeah. And you wouldn't even know who was down. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when you when you have it's that's this thing, obvious. It's obvious when guys are down because you bring guys in and yeah, maybe this isn't the best move right now. What an idiot Snicker is, and then you, if you're watching the game and you look back at the last three or four and you see how much the guys that you think are a better decision right now aren't in the game, they're either pushed into a higher role or they're unavailable that day. Yeah, and I so then I asked him, is that the same reasoning why Biddle was that you 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 kept him in in the. Uh, and the sixth went from a 5-0 lead to an 8-0 lead. So, yeah, he said, the guys have to do their job. The guys that are down there, they've got to do their job. And if they don't, it hurts a comeback like this. But we've got to use everybody. We've got too much left. And I, like I said, when you start three out of four in, as he said, after that, a lot of guys need two days off. Yeah. Said it's one game and we've got 150 left or whatever it is. It's 112. <laughs> yeah. Um but I could understand where you would start to actually it's 122 because they played 40. Yeah. Um, you need every one of those guys down there. Uh, so anyway, that was Snit yesterday. And, uh, but that anyway. also goes, that, that goes back to the point we made time and time again of how important Josh Tomlin was last year. Yeah. When he wasn't doing this, when he come into the, when you could use him in this situation, he just put up a zero in the seventh. Yeah, maybe he wasn't going to stay in that seventh inning or eighth inning role, but you could throw him out there when you were down, or when he would come in in the fifth inning and, and eat up the rest of the game and keep those other guys fresh. This is the perfect example of how important it is the role he was doing well. And look what happens when he falters. You know, I mean, it's, it costs the whole game, it costs the bullpen, it it puts you in a tough spot. 
So real quick, let's go over the rally they had in because it, it, it was one. I mean, if they would have pulled this off, that would be one yeah. you never forget. I mean, you just don't see teams come back from 8-0 in one inning that late, that quickly. It just doesn't happen. That was the Brooks so, Conrad games, the only time I've seen it. Yes. In the ninth inning, yes, yes. That's the only other time like that. And then that Red Sox game, the Red Sox did it against the Braves yep. a few years ago. Uh, in the ninth inning of getaway day in Atlanta. So Enoa, you're you're been your best starter so far. You've been four and zero with a one 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 ERA, one one one. Yeah, his previous four starts, he got roughed up. Nine hits and five runs in four and a third innings. Uh, it, it just a reminder: hey, he's a mortal man. He's gonna have. He's is yeah. a mortal. He's going to have some bad games. He's still a young kid, man, learning. Yeah. Snit asked him, Snit, what the difference was in that start in the previous four. And Snit said, I saw a young kid that was taking another step. I mean, he had some adversity. It was a young guy that's been doing really well, and things weren't clicking today. It was just some things that we'll have. It didn't go his way, and he didn't help himself. I guess you could put it like that. Um, and Noah said, it just felt like some pitches weren't going my way or falling in spots I wanted to. Yeah. He was missing with his fastball. Uh, but at the same time, you have to give credit to the hitters on the other team. I was missing spots. You know, you have your good days and bad days, and you learn from the bad days. But anyway, Braves are down uh, 8-0. And until that game against the Phillies, they had not shown much of that late innings. Uh, no. We can we never say die attitude that they'd had in the previous three or four years under Snit. But that Philly game, they did. And this one, they did. They're down 8-0. And they came out in that seventh inning. And it was so fast. Okay. The weird thing, Ozzy Albies was the first and last batter of that inning. He made the first and last outs of that inning. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. That sucks when you make two outs in one inning. And I did it like that. Yeah. And he said, uh, or here's how it went between those two outs, though. They're facing, and this wasn't pointed out on, on the air, I don't think. JP Fires, Fire Rising, that guy had an 0.50 ERA and 19 appearances before he entered that game. To start the seventh inning. Another guy's been used a lot. Yeah. He got Albus to fly out to start the inning. And then here's what happened. Dansby Swanson infield single. Austin Riley walk. William Contreras walk. Ender and Ciarte two-run single. He about took Fire Eisen's hat off. Um, Braves down 8-2. Out went Fire Eisen. In came, in came left-hander Brent Suter, who had a 3.43 ERA before Sunday. Pablo Sandoval reaches on a fielder's choice to Luis Urias, the shortstop. Should have thrown the first base. He would have had Sandoval for the sure out, but he went to second. It was too late. Would have been a real close play with uh, Ender running, but Colton Wong didn't catch the ball anyway, so it was definitely out. There was no error charge because it looked like NCRD might have been safe. Adrianza reaches on a fielder's choice again to Urias, who this time he was charged with an error on a high toss to Wong. It's still a catchable ball, though. Wong should have caught it still. I yeah, thought. he should have had that one. Contreras scored on that play. Braves trail 8-3. to three. Freddie Freeman, grand slam to center on the first pitch hang curveball from Suter. Especially encouraging because it was against a lefty. Boom, from 8-3 to three to 8-7. That's how fast it happened. Uh, Freeman's 11th homer, second in as many days, fourth in eight games. Braves are down 8-7. to seven. They've scored seven runs since making that first out without an out. They get the grand slam. Happened just like that. Then Marcelo Zuna grounds out 
Albie struck out the end of the seventh. And the crowd in Milwaukee, man, it was like they were stunned. You know, they had it would have been 8-0, and then all of a sudden it's 8-7, and Freddie's hit a grand slam, and they're like, what just happened? <laughs> but they know they got, you know, hater waiting. So then they, uh, you know, they did those tack on runs. Otherwise, I thought so much of the momentum had shifted. I thought there's, there's no way the Braves lose this game, but I wasn't thinking they got guys that were sitting. They're going to have to use some guys that they wouldn't normally use in this. So, but I thought that was a game where they were going to come back and end up winning by three or four runs. You know, that, the way that momentum swung so fast. Even losing that game, though, I mean, that yeah. that's a team that you – that how many times we talk about that last year where they were yeah. down five and you didn't feel like the game was over? Yeah. You know, that that's kind of what this team was known for. And, I mean, it does show the importance of the bullpen, keeping it close and doing their job. But that, for me, is encouraging just to see them get back in that game. And they made they made Williams work, who I think he won Rookie of the Year last year. I'm not certain, but yeah, he's, he's a really good reliever. It's like record-setting last year. Yeah. And they made Hader work. They put up one on both of them. So, and Hader hasn't blown a save this year. He's been great. Yeah. So they got seven runs on and that inning on two walks, two singles, multiple Milwaukee mistakes on Fielder's Choice grounders, and the majors leading fifth grand slam for the Braves. No other team has more than three. And there's only seven teams that even have more than one. Braves have got five grand slams already. Crazy. One of those crazy things, man. Jesus. You never. You just, uh, they were not done. They added two in the seventh, like we said, uh, after the Brewers added two in the seventh, push it to 10 7. I thought that was impressive how the Braves came back again against yeah. Kevin Williams. And that, that, that was pretty cool. And do that on the road, especially. And they almost had him for more. You know, if he didn't have that yep. changeup he had. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of pitches that you can throw comfortably to Acuna right there and, and feel like you're getting a strikeout. But he threw his best one maybe of the season to get him. Um, I mean, they they were in a position with Acuna coming up. They could have they could have taken the lead. And that's rough for Acuna. He's been sitting there for two days, you know, hadn't, swan, hadn't played at all, hadn't gotten in at all. Yeah. And he's Face not that. pinch hit. He's only pinch hit five times in his career. So, yeah. you know, he's going over there trying to hit it out, man. Yeah. So, uh, but all in all. Hell of a series for the Braves. Brewers are really struggling, so they took advantage of that, did what they're supposed to. Now they come home, they get three against the Mets. Then they got four against the Pirates at home. Really got a chance to have a, you know, at least win five out of seven on this homestand. So I think if you win two out of three against the Mets, you've got, you've got to win at least three out of four against the Pirates. They might be the worst team. Definitely one of the worst three teams in baseball. So, uh they could they could win five out of seven, six out of seven, even against this, on this home stand. It's got a chance to really do some, you know, in the good crowds like last week when they opened it up 100% capacity. That really makes a difference when not many places are having these huge crowds yet. So we'll see. But they got a chance. Every time they get to 500, they can't get past five. They haven't been over 500 <laughs> one day all year. So every yeah. time they get close to get to 500 or close, seems like they lose two out of three or get swept, you know, against the Blue Jays and fall back. So this is a chance to really get over that hump for the Braves. They, they, they've got to come out of this homestand over 500 because they go in two under 500. You, I mean, you'd, I'd bet on it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But heck of a week. Getting Acuna back should be big. Now that you got some other guys going good, you got Azuna going now, you got Riley going again, you got Freddie hitting now. So – but just when it started to look pretty hopeless for that offense, now you got about four or five guys going. 
Dansman needs if he can correct his home road splits because he's a but he's a menace at home, man. He's hitting great at home. Yeah, and even just looking at it and seeing that they've for me they have not played well. No. And <laughs> you know, maybe some other teams are doing them a favor by not pulling away and, and doing what they're capable of. But really I think it's gonna be like this all year. Yeah, yeah. I thought, but if they get hot, they could pull away. I mean, you could you could see this team a month from now have a five game lead. No doubt. Yeah, Dansby. Those were two big hits they had at the end of the day yesterday because he was in a hell of a skid there for that. So those were two good to, to leave Milwaukee on those hits in his last two at bats. You know, it comes up big in the end, in the late innings. It seems like. So, all right, we'll talk again on uh, Thursday or Friday after the Braves uh, face the Mets a few times. It'll be good to see them after playing all these other teams out of the division and everything. Yeah. First time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lindor's. They're going to hope he still struggles because he's like hitting under 200, man. Yeah. That ain't going to last forever. I don't think so either. All right. 755 is real. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. We're out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.